Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's uh, no whiteout this week, right? Yeah, so this is a healthy, nice Christmas day, right? We, uh, you know, we had a great week last week because we celebrated with choirs and kids and poinsettias and and a partially packed place because of the whiteout, but it was good. It was a great time of celebration and and uh, just a neat way to kick off a sermon series called Heaven at Our Doorstep. Heaven at our doorstep. You know, before we step into the series today, I just wanted to give you a quick update. Uh, we've had a few people asking, and we're coming right up to year end here. We've had some things going on with our home, with the property, and what's been going on this fall. And and uh, we've got a few updates in the bulletin this week, so I just wanted to give you a heads up to those and, and let you know what's going on. So before we do that, let's just make sure we've got a, a little vision of the home piece. Like, what are we trying to accomplish here, Okay. We are about hearts and lives. We are about changed hearts and lives. Amen? We are about complete discipleship. We are about following after him with all we've got. That's who we've been. That's who we are. That's who we're going to be. So as we head towards this building, this is a place for us to have a home, a place that we can truly call home, a place where we're going to continue doing that. Okay, so as we head into this, let's just make sure we keep the vision. Lord, keep me on fire for you. Lord, may I be glorifying you. May I be reflecting you in all that I'm going after. As people meet you, as people meet us, may they just say, wow, God's at work here. Amen. That's where we need to be. Okay, that's a little vision piece. So that being said, so where are we? You may have noticed if you glanced in the bulletin this week, uh, two things. Uh, one is our number that's in the account right now is up at 2.1 million, 2.1 million. We've had a couple of gifts come in here just uh, recently. And you know what? God is stirring hearts. There is momentum building. We haven't even started the campaign yet, you know, and it's a good thing. Like God is moving and we're at a spot where we've got 2.1 million right now. And you're like, great. Sounds good. So I guess I don't have to do anything. Uh, eh. Think again, okay? Here's where we really are. Uh, when we consider the whole of what's going on in the economy and all that's taking place with, for example, banks loaning a lot less than they would typically loan. And, uh, you know, maybe three years ago you could get X and now you get half of that or maybe a third of that. And, and so we need to be considering all of that as we move forward, okay? I'm actually kind of happy that the banks are loaning less. It puts it right into a number where we're happy to be at. Uh, it's good match for us. We really wouldn't want to extend much beyond where they're willing to go. But it does mean we need to partner together. So I just wanted to make sure you saw, for example, we are up at 2.1 million. There is momentum gathering there. Uh, more than that, did you notice in the bottom left corner, we're checking the boxes and November's now checked. We've got sort of a, a first step at a um, rendering of what could be a possible building for us. It's a great opportunity for us to get our arms around as a body what we might be able to go after, okay? And that's what we've been trying to get done is, Lord, help us get a good potential rendering that makes sense for what we could be doing and uh, that gives us a little bit of a, an image of what we're going after, but also it helps us understand cost. What can we really afford? That rendering we've completed right now. We're just kind of dotting the I's, crossing the T's, and some final costs with the architect. And so we're really right on task. Things are going well. Uh, praise God. It's been an awesome thing. That's where we are. How did we get here? I've actually had a couple people ask me this question. How do you decide what the building's going to be? Like, how do you know what size or how do you know what to do with? And so here's a couple of things we did. Okay. Just so you've heard this. 
we're kind of, I'll use a, a fancy word, we're triangulating in on something, okay? Uh, I was talking to somebody this past week who gave me a good way to say it, so we're going to put it in three words. Uh, when you're building, you're looking at cost, you're looking at size, and you're looking at um, quality, okay? Those three pieces, cost and size and quality. And so you, you basically can only control two at a time, and the third one gets controlled for you. Right? So you go after cost and quality, well, then your size is limited. You go after size and cost, well, then quality gets chosen for you, right? So you're kind of always choosing two, and the third one kind of happens to you, right? So what you do is you kind of pick two, and you work it, and then you go back, and you kind of work with two others, and you work that, and we're sort of triangulating in until we get something that makes sense, okay? Um, well, what makes sense? Well, when you know what the banks will loan you, and you know what you have in the accounts, and you believe you've got a pretty good understanding of what stewardship is that kind of gives you a cost you know and so we're going after that size well we want to make sure we're going after something that accommodates all of us but we also know we're adding you know a hundred people a year and typically you may go up by 20 percent or 30 percent when you go into a building and so we want to make sure we're building something that we can grow into a little bit as well we don't want to get there and go oh we're already full like we don't want to be there and honestly that can happen pretty easily and we got to be careful with it uh, on the same side, you don't want to build it so massive that you're like, we'll never be full, right? We don't want that either. So we're being very careful with the stewardship to make sure that it manages some of the growth, uh, that it gets us out there several years, uh, that it meets the costing and the quality is, well, quite frankly, it's going to be some nice quality, but not over the top quality. I mean, we're living in, this is some great digs, isn't it? I mean, God takes care of us. We make fun of the carpet, but it's great digs, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a great space to be in, and, and God's been caring for us. So we're going after that. We're just, if you want to say it, we're triangulating in on cost and quality and size, okay? And making that make sense with where we're going. So that's a bit of how we got there. And then the last piece is, well, so what might my role be? What do I need to be considering? You know, I just let me throw it into these three words, okay? First, pray. We believe firmly in the power of prayer. It's one of our pillars. Like, let's lift this thing up. God, what do you want done? Lord, help us each to understand what you might want to be accomplishing for your glory. And may we just step out accordingly. And each of us is going to need to be stepping out. So that's the first is pray. Second is just be planning. You know, we will be doing a stewardship. I'll just kind of open this piece up to you. We're going to be steward doing a stewardship campaign that's going to have a one-time gift piece and most likely like a three-year gift, like each month over three years. And be considering what you can do in those. You might say, I can't give anything one time, but I can allot something per month. Or, or I can do both or whatever it is. Just be planning. Lord, what do you have for us? How can I be participating here? Some of you have actually already said, I would like to be giving this year, coming up to year end. We've got some things that have happened this year, and we would love to be able to take advantage of giving to the church right now. That's doable. You've already seen the numbers increasing on that. Just feel free to write property or building at the bottom, and it'll get to that fund, okay? Um, do remember this is giving that's over and above. It's not like, well, I've been giving to the church. I'll just start giving over there now, and that starts leaving the operating expenses dropping. So it's all of us together considering, God, what might you have for me to step out with? Lord, what might you be calling our family to be sacrificing and celebrating you for? I say all that. We might even have some visitors here today. If you're visiting first time, just know this. This isn't a talk we have very often, right? We talk hearts and lives a lot around here. We talk God at work in us, but there's times where we need to be very practical about what's going on. I'm telling you this. We are in the middle of a Christmas series, and we are talking about trying 
our hardest to worship him. Heaven at our doorstep. Let that just sink in for a moment. Heaven at our doorstep. God Almighty, come right here for you and for me. How can I worship him? How can I celebrate him? Lord, what can my life look like that will reflect you properly? That's what we're looking at today. How can I be worshiping the Almighty? Come for you and for me. So turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Ushers are coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands, so just raise your hand if you need a Bible, and we'll get one to you, okay? Matthew 2, 1 to 12. We're answering the question, how can I worship him? Now, for those of you who've been around for a while, you know this. The word worship, we talk about it. It's one of our four W's. It's one of our pillars that we lift high the name of Jesus in worship. What do we mean by the word worship? Well, two things, that we know him and that we adore him. You can't really worship something you don't know. Did you know that? You can go, oh, that, that sounds interesting or that sounds neat or, but it's distant. You have to know facts about, you have to know personally what's going on, knowing, and then the next piece to worship, adoring. Like, Lord, may the whole of me be pouring out all over you. Know him and adore him. That's worship. Okay. So that being said, how do I worship him? Let's get started. First point. Seek to know and adore him through the scriptures. Seek to know and adore him through the scriptures. As we uh, walk through this first piece, just watch the power of scripture. Seek to know and adore him. Okay, let's get started here. It says, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Where is he who was born king of the Jews? You know, it says after Jesus was born and there were wise men who came and and we've heard this story over and over again, right? We've even got some images locked into our memories, part of it from cartoons we've seen or part of it from stories told, right? And, and so question, how many wise men were there? And the basic answer everybody would give first off would be, everybody would say three, right? It doesn't say that though, right? It just says there were three types of gifts that were given. And so, well, maybe we'll give one gift per guy. Well, why that? Maybe we had two really benevolent guys and, and they brought all of it, right? Or, or maybe we had 50 guys and, and they came sharing it all and, and we don't know, right? Or, okay, and maybe we pictured these kings because we're driving past a house and we see a nativity scene and they're kneeling down and they're in front of the manger, right? And they're like, they're laying there or they're looking at and they're watching this, this little infant in the, really? Is that what scripture says? So let's just take a look real quickly. It says, now, after Jesus was born, so I guess he could be in a manger if it was after he was born, right? In Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, which was just technically probably pre-4 BC or right about that. You're like, wait a minute, I thought Christ was born in zero. Did you know there's no zero in our calendar? It's 1 BC and it goes to 1 AD. So there's little issues like that going on. And it looks like the calendars maybe shifted a little. And they're thinking maybe about 4 BC. That's when Herod was actually... Uh, last king okay so it then says 
In the, uh, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, how might we mo- know that Jesus was a little bit older? Well, I wrote a couple of things down here. First, in verse 7, it says that Herod went on to ask a few other people, including the wise men, give me the time the star appeared. I need to know some things. And in verse 9, it calls Jesus a child, not an infant. It's a different word in the Greek. It's a little bit older, a little bit more matured word. And then in verse 16, we've got Herod when he finally gets totally ticked off and he said, that's it. I'm afraid for everything. I've got to take care of this. He decides to go out and have all kids under the age of two murdered that are Jews, just in case they were going to take over his throne. Two years old. Well, why would he pick two if this child had just been born? And right, it's probably somewhere in the first two years of Jesus' life that these kings are coming. So I'm not sure how you're going to change your nativity scene in your front yard, but good luck with that one. All right. Okay. So now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men came from the east. They came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen uh, his star when it rose. He's king of the Jews. Now they're saying this all over the place. Hey, did you hear about the king? I've seen his star. We checked it out. These wise men, their term was magi. They used to watch the stars. It's not something that God even really um, was very happy about necessarily. There was a lot of things that were created that weren't true. But in the midst of watching these stars, somehow they saw the stars align. And there was probably some level of special revelation from God Almighty. And they get this lock in on the king of the Jews has come. And in the midst of their gathering that information, they're now buzzed and they're talking about it and they've traveled from far and they're asking everybody and they even end up asking the king, Herod. Can you imagine how that conversation went? Hey, have you heard about the king of the Jews who was born? No, I haven't. Right? Can you imagine? It's one of those situations where he's not all that happy about what he hears and it says right after it, um, And having come to worship him, when Herod the king heard this, well, he was troubled. That might be probably the largest understatement written in scripture. He was troubled. Let me just give you a few little pieces of information about Herod. Kind of blew me away this week. Adjectives you might put to Herod. Uh, Cruel, merciless, jealous, suspicious, protected his own turf. He was so afraid of losing his kingship, mostly because he wasn't a very nice guy and most people had absolutely no room for him, really didn't like him at all. So he was pretty much afraid everybody wanted his throne. Probably wasn't far off from the truth, quite frankly. He got so afraid that he thought his wife's brother, his brother-in-law, who was a priest, he thought he might be trying to bump him out. Well, so he had his brother-in-law drowned. Uh, You can only imagine that didn't go well with his wife and his mother-in-law. So he had them killed. So his wife, his mother-in-law, his brother-in-law, they're all dead. Now his sons are starting to get a little perturbed, right? So he has two of his sons killed. Two of his own sons killed. Why? To protect my throne, thank you. And now the third son who's being raised up ends up about five days a week, whatever it was before Herod was uh, dying. He was afraid that he was going to try to abdicate his throne. So he had that son killed. Three sons, a wife, a mother-in-law, a brother-in-law, all to protect his throne. Yeah, that's just the beginning. As he was about ready to die and he was on his deathbed, he was basically informed that 
you know, very few people like you. There's not going to be a lot of mourning, okay? So he said, that's it. Go get all the distinguished citizens, pull them together and throw them in jail. So they did. Not quite sure what was going on. They put these distinguished citizens in jail. And then he gave the command, when I die, kill them. Then there will be mourning in this town when I die. Welcome to Herod. Bloodthirsty. Merciless. Protecting his throne. That's the guy who has some wise men walk up to him and say, Hey, have you heard about the king of the Jews who's been born? Can you imagine what started running through his head as he began to plot? It says, For we saw the star, his star, when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Yeah, I would think so. Can you imagine? They're like, man, I saw what he did to his sons when he thought something was going down. What's going to happen on this one? Jerusalem started to knee knock, if you will. What is he going to respond with when this one comes out? Oh my, we're in for it. They weren't wrong, were they? Jerusalem was troubled, as was the king. It says, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes, I love this part, assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, Note, those are the people who know the word, they know the law, they're following after God in the way they think they should be. The chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Hey, you guys are Jews. You guys are well-informed ones. Where? And they answer, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. It is written by the prophet, and this is from Micah um, chapter 5, And says, oh, and you, oh, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Uh, They basically said, oh, we know where the king's coming from. He's coming from that little town over there. By the way, that king is not just going to be a king. He's going to be a shepherd. The people are going to follow him. The people are going to love him. It's written in scripture, right? And Herod's going, great, just what I wanted to hear. Wonderful. So Bethlehem, and they're going to follow him. Now what do I do about it? He's wrestling with truth from scripture. And in the midst of scripture speaking, God began moving. Here's the sad piece. The scribes and Pharisees, We're not in our little nativity scene in our front yard. Where are those guys? They're told about a king. They're reminded that it's going to come. And they say, oh, I know exactly which town. It's Bethlehem. But they don't go anywhere near this place. For whatever reason, they don't buy in. They're not a part of. They don't believe that. And there's a bunch of reasons and thoughts that people have. Not going to go into them here. It doesn't say in scripture. I'll just tell you this. Their hearts were ice to who Jesus Christ is. And they didn't come to worship. The scriptures were nothing more than pieces of information. It was not something that was stirring their heart to worship him. What we need to make sure of with each of us, with you and with me, is that we use the scriptures as more than just a paperweight. 
or more than just something I can read on a morning so I feel a little better about myself and then I walk away. More than just finding facts so that if somebody were to ask me a question, I'd give them the right answer, but I don't live the right answer. Now we're missing it. The scriptures need to come to life for us. Uh, Let me say it to you this way. Each week, uh, I prepare to preach up here. And, uh, you know, I, I set up a 52-week preaching calendar during the summers. Most of you know that. I kind of pray through things and get uh, series set up and which passages. And it's, it's all the way down to titles and passages are, are kind of nailed for the whole year. Who's speaking, when there's days off, all that. And uh, that's great. So when I get into a week, I know the passage. I know where we're headed. I kind of know the big picture. Now it's time for me to figure out, Lord, what details are you saying in this passage that you want us to know? And I'm telling you, I open it up on Monday and I'm reading the passage over and there's a lot of times where as I'm reading, I'm going, where am I going to, Lord, what, what pieces do you want brought out of this passage this week? And then you start praying over it and reading over it again. And quite frankly, I get a day or two in and I'm not thinking on Tuesday, this passage is lighting me up. Like a lot of times I'm not there. I'm still wrestling with God. What are you doing? What are you saying? What do you want said and what's happening? And and then I take Wednesday mornings, which is like four hours of time that I try to take to just pour through the passage, just to pull out what's there, looking at different word structures and grammar structures and meanings it could have meant to them and what all that has to do, just making some basic observations. And I start getting the structure and getting the, the points that we have, the two or the three points or whatever it is, like the principles we're supposed to have from this. And as I get those nailed down, all of a sudden the word starts to get some energy to it in my life. And now I'm going in Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday night or Thursday morning or we're talking about something that's going on in counseling or in a student ministries and somebody says something and I'm like, that's just like in verse six. And, and I, all of a sudden the word is starting to come to life. And then I'm trying to think of illustrations and Friday comes and Friday's illustration development day. Like I'm sitting down and I'm trying to restructure some of what's there and what illustrations to put in and ways to think through that we can all get involved in this personally and be praying over it. And I'm telling you what, all of a sudden it just, it's like it's leaping off the page. And when I go to practice, I just so you know, I preach once or twice at home. Don't come to my bedroom around four o'clock on Friday. It'll be a weird moment. But as I'm preaching through this and trying to figure out flows and structure and transitions and all of a sudden I'm like, this is unbelievable what this says. And can you see this passage and don't be this guy and look at what's happening. The passage has come to life for me, pouring through the scriptures. I'm not talking about open it up and read for four seconds. Reading, it's a great thing, but taking some time to reflect on it. Lord, what do you have here? Writing down what you're seeing and God, what might you have me to do differently? And you might need to stop on a passage and say, going over this one for a couple days. It hasn't hit me, Lord. I'm not sure what you're saying and, or what can I find out of? Or Lord, this has hit me so hard. I just want to stay on it and just let the word come to life. May we not know it and be cold to it. May we know it and be on fire for it. Amen. That's where we need to be. We need to be so on fire for the word of God that we are connected with God himself. That is knowing him and adoring him. That's where we're headed. How to worship him. May the word come to life for you. Let's find various ways to do it. Let's find a myriad of ways to go after it. Okay. Newsflash. Next sermon series we're going to be going after, it's about the Word of God. We're calling it Without Apology. Why the Bible has authority. 
And we're going to spend the month of January looking at scriptures. Why scripture? So we're going to start out extra biblical. You know what that term means? Like outside the Bible. What makes it so trustworthy? Is it trustworthy? And then we're going to start going inside and look at consistencies and values and what it says we need to have in our life and why the word. Why are we so big on the word? Did you know it's one of our pillars? That we would preach the word of God without apology. Oh, that's where the title came from. Okay. Without apology. We're going after the word. Here's another little thing. We're going to start a, uh, we're going to do a reading thing, a reading plan. And we're going to start it on January 3rd, Monday. And we're going to read for a month together. The whole body. Okay. We're going to put a plan together and we're going to have some stuff in place. We're going to end up with bookmarks, some stuff on the web. Uh, now I'm committing us. So we're doing that, Larry, wherever you are. All right. <laughs> So we're doing this thing, okay? We're going to do it together. Larry and I have talked about it. I'm excited about the flow. Let's, as a body, say we're reading together. May God's word come to life for us. Amen? Let's do this thing where God's word in the new year becomes our directive, our place to know him and adore him. Get ready. January 3rd is right around the corner, okay? The word of God coming to life for us as we spend time reading and just making some observations and figuring out, Lord, what could I be doing with this in my life? I'm excited about what this could mean for us. Let's let his word light us up in this season. He, our almighty God at work in our lives. And he's reached out with us and connected with us. May we hear his word and respond to his word. May we worship him through his scripture. That's the first step. Second step. Let's seek to know and adore him with great rejoicing. Seek to know and adore him with great rejoicing. Notice that worship, knowing and adoring, can end up being something you do with Almost no rejoicing and it's actually just some little ritualistic thing and it's boring as all tears and you can't figure anything out about why people that's not where we're going The worship we're talking about Is when the presence of god almighty is so sensed in your life that you are rejoicing With him right there Okay, let's just step in Verse 7 it says then herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. Secretly, he called them in. He didn't want it to be publicly known that he was pursuing this information because it might get out that he's the kind of guy who kills if he feels his throne is at risk. Herod is trying to gather some information. And the wise men, being wise men, were pretty wise to what's going on, and they're sensing what's happening. He says, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Yeah, right. Worship killers. We have to watch out for them. Those who refuse to accept who Jesus Christ is and his authority and his rightful place as king. Worship killers. Those who want to place themselves on the throne of everything. May it be all about me. Watch out. We are to have contact with worship killers. But it's called evangelism. Witnessing. It's not called best friends. Totally relying on them. They're going to take me down. That would be a big mistake. Not relying on. But helping call. To high ground where you're at. Worship killers. It's not that we avoid. 
But boy, we better be careful of their role in our life. Herod, true worship killer, will not accept who Jesus Christ is, thank you. Actually want to have my throne carried through, willing to kill whoever gets in my way. That's a worship killer. Herod had to be watched out for. What friends do you have in your life that maybe should be a little less on the friend list and a little more on the, I'm reaching out, we're going to main contact, I'm going to be caring for you, but I can't let you pull me down. I've got to be worshiping my king. How are you doing with that? These kings, these wise men had some decisions to make. Verse 9, it says, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them. Now get ready, because this is going to be some awesome example of worship. What can we do to worship? Are you ready? It says, The star went before them, and it came to rest over the place where the child was. Verse 10, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. If we're going to have a spiritual sense of worship, we've got to have a, an element of rejoicing. Rejoicing. The word literally means to celebrate. To say, this is unbelievable. Rejoicing. If we're going to worship him, we've got to be able to do it. Maybe we should start by just saying the word. What is it we need to do? Rejoice. Rejoice. Let's say it a little louder. What is it we need to do? Rejoice. It means, God, you're at work in my life. Look at what you're doing. And, and I see how you've shaped this. And I see what you're doing with my friend's heart. And I see how you fired me up. And I see what you've provided financially. And I see the job that was going horrible. And you've provided an alternative. And I see the fiance you've given me. And I see the, right, awesome things we can be happy for. And rejoice. That God is at work and moving. And it's not just because it made things better for me. But maybe we're rejoicing just because you're amazing. You're holy. You're righteous. I'm rejoicing because of who my king is. They were rejoicing. Provision had been made. They saw a star from a distance and they thought, there's a king. A king of the Jews from what we can see lining up and what we've heard and what we understand. And we need to go. And we need to find him. And they got there and they're like, has anybody heard of the king of the Jews? Uh, we don't know where he is. We don't know where to go. And then they get with this one guy and he's like, you tell me where he is and then I'll go worship him. You know? And they're like, okay, well that one was a dead end, right? You walk out and now all of a sudden the star is moving. Whatever this word star means, and is it metaphorical or literal? And some have written down all these awesome evaluations of when three planets aligned. And hey, it could be that. And I'm not saying it isn't. And what is it? And we don't know. But I'll tell you this. That thing moved. That thing moved. And that thing didn't just move. It settled over a house. Have you ever seen a star, star settle over a house? I mean, the distance between the house and the star... There's a lot of houses that could be settled over. Do you know what I'm talking about? Something's going on here. I personally probably am going with there is some sort of God intervention, a bright representation of him. Maybe it's the Shekinah glory of God himself. Somehow God is making clear this is the home. And he's moving with and he's leading them. And in the midst of God moving and then seeing him a part of, they say, wow. Celebrate that. Are you kidding me? God has guided us straight to a house. Now, if there's a child inside there that's about two years of age or under, 
We're going to be astounded. Right? That's where they're at. They celebrate and they rejoice. They've got a spiritual passion and heart for God. But they go one step further. They followed it. Verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts and gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's just go back and evaluate this. Four things they did for physical worship. Four things they did. First of all, you might want to write these down. Four things they did for physical worship. First, they went to the place, place where they were told or directed. It says, and going into the house, notice house, right? We just left Mary and Joseph and actually it was in a stable. Now they're in a house. Time has passed. They're in a house, good provision for them. When they went into the house, the place where they saw the child with Mary, his mother. So they went to the right place. The second, they fell down and they worshiped him. Posture. They took on a posture that said, you are amazing. They took a posture that said, you're worth traveling for. They they took a posture that said, you're in charge over me. They got down on their knees and said, you're to be worshiped. They fell down and most likely they even went to their face as they said, you are to be worshiped almighty one. Imagine being Mary and you've got this little one or two year old bouncing around, maybe sitting in your lap and, and there are grown men with exorbitant gifts who are bowing to your kid. The stuff that I've been told is coming true. There's this amazing opportunity for Mary to see God moving in hearts as people are coming to the almighty savior, Jesus Christ. They went to the right posture. They fell on their face. I challenge you with this. Try it this week. Try hitting that posture. I'm telling you, you're going to start and you'll be like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I feel weird doing it or or I don't want to try. Go to your knees. Go to your face and say, Lord, it's for you. You're going to find something. Celebration. You're going to find something. You're going to find that your posture helps bring your heart into the right position. You're going to find that. Try with me. Commit with me. Try a couple times to put physical posture into the position of worship with him. They fell down and they worshiped Mary. Is that what it says? doesn't say that they fell down and they worshiped jesus christ lord and savior we talked about this last week rightful king fully god and fully man our savior that's who they were worshiping god become man are you ready to worship almighty jesus christ in your life the one who is reaching in and shaping and changing who is providing and replacing who is saying i love you so much i'm here for you your god for you that's who they were worshiping god almighty very appreciative of mary but not worshiping mary then it says then so we've had place posture here comes the third then opening their treasures they offered him gifts possessions so it's place posture and then possessions 
They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They offered him from their wealth, great wealth. You know, when we share with our almighty whose arms are open wide, our arms need to be open wide as well. You know, we say a lot. It's not about equal giving, but it's about equal sacrifice. And for those who God has entrusted much to, you're going to have a lot of fun lavishing out on throughout in this world. It's God trusted me. I'm trusting him. And we give where God has given to us. And it's equal sacrifice, not equal giving. That is such a big deal. As we live in this church and as we do ministry side by side, it's not, you know, how much did you give? Oh, I gave the same dollar amount. That's not what it is. Don't be measuring against others. It's, Lord, what have you done in my life? And how are you blessing our family? And as you have blessed, so I am going to lavish back out. I am just a manager and you are the owner. And these guys stopped with their gold and their frankincense and their myrrh and just started lavishing it out upon this child and said, he's the king of kings. He's the Jews king, but he's more. This one deserves to be worshipped. I've got all and I'm giving back possessions. It's a part of our worship. And when we hold tight to that, I'll do a little bit of that singing on Sunday thing. Uh, I might even raise a hand part way. You know what I'm talking about? Worship. I get it. Once a week, part way, few songs. I come to the 912 service, you know, and, and that's worship for me. Like, is that really what worship is? Knowing and adoring him. Lord, I want to be here with you. Lord, I want to, I want to give all to you. Lord, I want you so celebrated in my life. Every moment of every day, where can I go? What can I say? What can I do that you may be glorified through me? God, I'm giving me to you. Is that worship? Amen. That's where we need to be headed. As we talk about the Christmas season and his sacrifice for us in coming to this earth, may we simply be saying, Lord, you are just so worth modeling i mean that's what the giving of the gifts is all about at christmas we think it's about the tinker toys but we're distracted it's about him and his gift giving what greater way can we do but to model that so we've got place and posture and possessions and the last one is partnerships you can actually worship god by who you partner with in life check this out verse 12 and being warned in a dream not to return to herod They departed to their own country by another way. We are not going near that man. He gave me the creeps. You know what I'm talking about? There is clearly something awry within him. We're not going there. He's a worship killer. We are a worship thriver. May the Lord Almighty be worshipped through me. Nope, not going there. We're not going to help you try to take him down. That's where we need to be. With our place and with our posture and with our possessions and with our partnerships. May the whole of who we are be saying, you are adored. You are worshipped. What does the word worship mean? Worthship. You are worth knowing. You are worth being with. Lord, may I just get passionate about you. I'm going to be really direct, okay? Some of you are sitting here this morning and you're like, sounds great. Not feeling it, dude. I'm not feeling it. I'm not sure what I do about feeling that thing, but I'm not feeling that thing. What do I do? I just want to tell you this. We have a garden in our yard. And um, we had a garden in our yard up in Naperville. And you wouldn't have wanted to eat anything out of that garden. Like it was lame. 
And we tried. I mean, Jonna did a good job. She tried to do what she could do. I don't know what was missing, but it was missing. We don't have green thumbs. We don't have thumbs. I don't. <laughs> Growing things is not our thing, okay? And, and I say our collectively. I'm way below you, and but it's our problem. We got an issue. And as we go through this, trying to grow things. So Jonna decides to put a few plants in the garden this year. Okay, the house we have down here is an ex-cornfield, right? They did a really nice job with the managing of the, of the soils of that for a long time. So we're like, you know, we throw three seeds in and whap! And we're getting, we're getting stuff like out and it's, oh, it's all us! We're great gardeners now, really? Like it just, something happened, we came to central Illinois and bam, we're wise to the gardening thing now. <laughs> no. Maybe actually it's more that with the right watering and the right sun and the unbelievably right nutrients and all the right stuff together, everything comes together to this awesome fruit and growth. What we need to be careful of is when the worship isn't there, what nutrients are missing. We got to be going after it because I'm telling you, rejoicing, it's natural. Rejoicing, it's built in. It's who we are. And when we're missing it, we're missing some ingredients. The easy ingredients to go after is just, Lord, I want you first. I'm going to start doing it today. Lord, I want your word preeminent in my life, whatever you say and wherever we go. Lord, I want you glorified and shown off. Lord, I'm going to take the right physical elements into worship. Bring these things in and just watch what he does. Take the challenge. I'm telling you, you're going to light on fire for him. It's built in. It's guaranteed. And if it's not working, come and talk to me. We're going to find out what's going on. Let's work together. It's time for us to be so thrilled with worshiping our Savior. It's time for us to be so on fire with who he is that as we hit this new year, we hit the ground running saying, your word on fire in me, you on fire in me, me on fire for you, this body on fire for you, all of us for all of him. Everyone who comes in contact with this body, who meets you as an individual, who meets us, simply says, what is God doing over there? That's where we need to be. Amen? Now that's vision for God being shown off, not us. Let's go after him with all we have. Let's worship him with all we've got. Heaven at our doorstep. Wow. He is to be worshipped with all we've got. Let's pray.